podcast? I don't need a podcast. I need pictures of Spider-Man. Hello and welcome back to the Spider Crimes Podcast. Today we're going to talk about Spider-Man, Watchmen, and Star Trek. If you like what you hear, shoot us a follow on Twitter. And if you don't, we still appreciate your business. Spider Crimes, Spider Crimes, reading comic books all the time. Are they good? You decide. When you listen to Spider Crimes, hey there, where? These are the Spider Crimes. Well, gentlemen, it's been a while. It's it's been what, like two months? Well, we did we did no, we did Suicide Squad. uh, Oh yeah, yeah. at the beginning of August, but but then there was just Civil War, and then before that was Man of so it's. It's been since March, I think, since we've done yeah. it. Yeah, well, our lives are finally getting their shit together. Matt and I are fi- finally have a microphone, <laughs> which is my fault. It's all right. Yeah. But um, I'm excited to hear about some comic books. I've been kind of yeah. out of the world the past couple of weeks, so. It's been a minute. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm so far behind the world. I'm, like, stuck in, like, 2013 still, you know? I know, right? <laughs> it's just easier back then, you know? Yeah, man. Life is simple. Man of Steel was, like, getting, like, kind of, like, okay reviews, you know? <laughs> <laughs> when we still had hope for the we're next ones. Yeah, this, the DCU is Oh, still my in. God. Suicide Squad's going to be awesome. Anyway, who oh, wants yeah, to go that was first? Thing. I have not thought about that movie in, like, over a month. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, well, I guess I'll All go. Right. Yeah. All right, Matt, you go first. <clears throat> well, guys, today I'm going to talk to you about an issue of Spider-Man, and it's actually the oldest issue I've talked about on here. Um, it's Amazing Spider-Man, number 14, uh, and it was published on July 10th, 1964, written by Stan Lee, r- drawn by Steve Ditko, you know, the OG mm-hmm. crew. Um, this is a pretty noteworthy issue because it is the first issue that features the Green Goblin. Ooh. <laughs> and uh, there's a reason I'm reading this issue today. Uh, and it's the it's the same reason that uh, when I was in London, I read that issue where Spider-Man went to London, and uh, this is an issue where Spider-Man goes to L.A. and hey. that's where that's where Corey and I are that's for this semester. Where we are. Wow. Exciting. <laughs> yeah, Danny, did you know we're there? Wow. I was letting the audience. I mean, know. I was wondering no. why. I was wondering <laughs> why neither of you were in our apartment. And, and <laughs> I wonder where you guys have been for five weeks. Like, well, there we go. So, uh, the issue starts out kind of like you would expect. Uh, well, maybe not. It, it's it's the Green Goblin in, in, like, his goblin cave or whatever. Uh, and he it's the first time we see him. And it's you, you actually don't see the goblin. You just see a figure with his face in the shadow. And um, he the, the mask is, like, in the foreground. And he's, like, finishing building. It's not a glider yet. It was a broomstick. But it's like a mechanical broomstick. Like if you, Dan, if you look, you can see. So it looks like, like he's writhing like a weird vacuum. It, yeah, exactly. It, look, it looked like um, like a chapstick container, but really long. <laughs> like it was like a rocket, rocket so chapstick. He, he cool goes and finds <laughs> that this team of bad guys called the Enforcers. Do you guys know who the Enforcers are? Never heard of them. They're basically these really generic villains that were really like. They showed up a lot in like the early Spider-Man issues, that, and they're like names. It's like Fancy Dan, Fancy Dan, <laughs> no, Fancy me. Dan, Montana, oh, and Ox, I think. And it's you know it's the generic three. Like there's the normal one, the 
crazy one and then the big one and uh mm. they they like got arrested by spider-man an issue or two prior to this so the green goblin comes up to them and he's like hey guys i'm gonna i want you to help me with something and they're like no one bosses us around and he's like oh yeah well how about this and he shoots sparks at them out of his fingers <laughs> and they're like whoa <laughs> and so they go with him so then the green goblin goes to hollywood uh, where there's a Hollywood executive trying to figure out what movie he should make next. Classic. Yeah, because that's how it always is out here. Um, and he, uh, the Green Goblin's like, oh, we're, you're, you should make a movie about Spider-Man. And he's like, oh, man, I bet that, that could make millions. I could get one of the Beatles to play him. <laughs> or maybe Tony Curtis. And um, the Green Goblin's like, no, I'll get you the actual Spider-Man. And he's like, you'll be stupid. And Green Goblin's like, no, I'm going to do it. Just wait. So they go, and so then we go to Peter Parker in New York, and he's still in high school at this point. He's a senior, and uh, he's talking with Flash, and like, like the Flash is mocking him, and and um, Liz Allen is like, "Don't mock Peter. He's a dreamboat," and Flash gets all pissed, you know, typical stuff. But then they start talking about how there's some people are seeing this green guy flying around the city, so Peter's like, well, "Spider Man, better check this out," and he goes and. Find, immediately sees him and swings up and jumps onto the broomstick with him and he's like hey can I get a lift and the green goblin's like Spider-Man you're just the guy I'm looking for there's a Hollywood executive here who wants to meet with you <laughs> <laughs> so Spider-Man's like okay cool so he goes and find, he goes to the hotel where the Hollywood executive is and they meet and they talk uh, and the, the Hollywood executive off, offers him $50,000 to make this movie Dude, that's like uh, a shitload of money in the 60s. Absolutely, yeah. So uh, so Peter's like going to go to Hollywood. And the Green Goblin's like thinking to himself, like, this is all going according to my plan. Uh, so Peter goes to the Daily Bugle. And he's like talking to Betty Brant. Because uh, at this point they're dating. Uh, and the and J. Jonah Jameson comes out of his office and is like, Hey, Parker, I need you to go to Hollywood because the, Spider-Man's making a movie out there. And I need you to take pictures of it. <laughs> and Peter's like, perfect. That's exactly what I was hoping would happen. So uh, he gets sent out to Hollywood. And that, that also gives him an excuse to tell Aunt May why he's going out there. But then Betty Brant immediately starts freaking out because she's like, oh, Peter, you're going to talk to all those pretty girls out there. And he's like, would you? I didn't even say anything. Because <laughs> Betty Brant's written terribly. Classic Peter, such a player. <laughs> yeah. So um, he goes and he, he's like, well, I can't. Oh, well, whatever. So he leaves uh, after he gets Aunt May's permission, goes out to L.A., and the Green Goblin's there and on set with the Enforcers and Spider-Man and the director. And uh, the camera crew's, like, setting up, and the Green Goblin's like, hey, why don't we go try, like, practice the fight scene? And Spider-Man's like, oh, that's fine. Yeah, whatever. And they start beating him up, and he's like, this isn't how it is in the script. (laughs) And they're like, well, what? it doesn't matter about the script or whatever. And, and Peter's like, wait, this was a trap. As his spider sense starts going off. Uh, and they, they basically are just fighting. And um, they go into a cave. At one point, I gotta know where it cuts back to New York. And you see, like, uh, Aunt May's writing Peter a letter. Liz Allen is yelling at Flash for bullying Peter. And uh, J. Jonah Jameson is talking about how Parker better bring back some sensational pictures, but I I don't want to find out he's wasting his time dating those Hollywood glamour girls, and Betty Brant, like, freaks out. (laughs) And then we go back to New York, and and 
Spider-Man goes into a cave uh, that they found. Because they're, like, in the desert. It's really weird. So he goes into a cave to try to get away from, like, the goblin. And while he's in this cave, he's, like, picking off the uh, enforcers one by one. It's kind of creepy. Like, he's, like, up on the ceiling. They don't see him. And then, like, the web comes down and pulls nice. him away. Uh, yeah. And then... Uh, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the Incredible Hulk shows up. My man! <laughs> and, uh, because the Hulk is, it's one of, the cave is one of his hideouts. So the Hulk starts kicking Spider-Man's butt, and they, like, so Spider-Man's now just fighting the Hulk, and, like, he tries to web him up, and he just tears the web apart like paper, and, uh, then, eventually the Green, he, like, gets away from the Hulk long enough, and he gets to the Green Goblin just outside the cave, and, like, climbs onto the glider, and the Green Goblin, like, pushes him off, and he falls down to this pond. Um, and so that he's just hiding under the water, and the Hulk goes back into the cave. Like, he's like, I'm, or whatever, I guess I killed him. Uh, but then Spider-Man has to, like, sneak back into the cave because the Enforcers are in there, like, webbed up, and he doesn't want the Hulk to kill them. So he brings him out, and then there's, like, an army helicopter coming by, so he's like, I'll just leave these guys here, and uh, the, the army will get him. And so then, then we go back to the studio where the director is now freaking out because he's like, Spider-Man and the Greek Goblin disappeared, <laughs> and we're trying to make a movie. And then someone mentioned something about how we can't even look for them because the Hulk has been spotted in the area. And he's like, the Hulk? There's an idea. I'm going to make a movie about the Hulk. Forget this Spider-Man movie. And um, Spider-Man comes back in, and he's like, hey, you might want to talk to the people you hire before you hire them because those were villains. <laughs> <laughs> the executive's like, I don't... <laughs> but the executive's like, I don't care. We're making a Hulk movie now. And Spider-Man's like, okay, well, what about our contract? Like, where's my money? And he's like, didn't you read the fine print? You don't get money unless the picture's complete. And we, we're not making it anymore, Aww. so you're on your own. And Classic L.A. But he gives him he gives him money just for uh, his expenses. So, so he's like, well, it's just enough money to pay my fare back to New York. And he ends up taking the bus so that he can save some money to give to Aunt May. Because, you know, he's, he's a good kid. He Why doesn't he just swing over to New York? Spider-Man is way over. <laughs> it's the entire country. Yeah, so. Um, but yeah, he's Peter Parker. I keep in mind, he's like a senior and he's like 18 during this storyline. Yeah. J. Jonah Jameson just sends him to New York alone. Or, I mean, sends him to L.A. alone. It's crazy. Hey, it was a different time back then, you know? <laughs> Clearly. But yeah, and then meanwhile the Green Goblin like goes back to his cave, or whatever um, mm-hmm. fortress. They, they call it a fortress in the Eastern Metropolis. Oh, and that's that's New York. But yeah, his murky hideout, and he like pulls his mask off, but you still don't see him. He's like obscured by like a cabinet door, and uh, he's like, "You'll never." He hasn't seen the last of the Green Goblin. And then when Peter gets back to New York, he's walking around. His sense is going off. He's like, the Green Goblin is in this city, but I don't know where he is. Nice. And that's how the issue ends. That was an interesting one. Yeah. First yeah. appearance of the Green Goblin. Yeah. Decent concept. Uh, never mind. I'm going to make a Hulk movie. I wonder if like a Hulk comic spun out into that storyline afterward. Yeah, maybe. Probably not, though. <laughs> yeah, probably not. <laughs> it's like lesbian Hulk. <laughs> well, that's the weird thing. The Hulk is like talking in full sentences during because it was they still like hadn't figured out exactly what they were doing with him. Yeah. The sixties, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like he's like, you thought I was an idiot when he's like beating up Spider Man. It's it's weird, but I like that issue. So yeah. is it a spider crime? I don't think no. I call it a spider crime. Yeah, it's I like the first that. first yeah. Green Goblin. I hope not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've had we definitely had worse Spider Man comics on this podcast. Absolutely. 
All right, Daniel. All right. What have you been up to? Thank you for your spider crime, Matt. You're welcome, Corey. Um, so this summer, I, I made a promise to Matt like 10 years ago. <laughs> it wasn't 10 <laughs> years like ago. Two. It was more like a year ago. And it felt like 10 years ago. He, I, he let me borrow his, his very nice deluxe edition copy of Watchmen. Summer of 2015? Or uh, probably, I think fifteen because it was 15. after sophomore year. Yeah, fifteen. Yeah, yeah. And so I read like the first three chapters, and then I didn't read the rest of it the rest of that summer. We moved in together, fall of twenty fifteen. Left untouched my bookshelf <laughs> for a whole like a whole nine months, whatever. Finally, summer starts and I read it, and we never talked about it. I read it like in May, <laughs> um, but I I think summer. it's. It has been a busy summer, so I think it's 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 cool. We can like, I think we can go like, chapter by chapter, like over Absolutely. the course of a bunch of episodes, and we'll talk about you know my experience reading it for the first time. I mean, I read it when I was like in eighth grade when the movie came out, but like, I was like th- I was like fourteen. I don't I don't know eighth. Sure. I did I don't remember a single goddamn thing from this. So and maybe at the good. end we can do the movie. Oh, I'd yeah, love to do that. The, I love that movie. Great, the ultimate. So, yeah. So long. Um, it's really long. So, it opens, you know, Rorschach's journal, that famous quote, you know, like, the, the whores and prostitutes quote, you know, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. like, they're showing, like, this 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 graphic novel is so amazing because everything is, like, uh, oh, like not parallel, but, like, you know, like everything, like, leads into the next thing mm-hmm. so perfectly. So, it's, like, the first three panels are, like, panning back away from uh, the comedian's uh, smiley face pin. Like covered mm-hmm. in blood, the and like yeah. Then you see Rorschach. You don't know it's Rorschach yet, but like, yeah, he walks across. Yeah, yeah, I knew it was Rorschach. I saw the movie like you know ten years ago or whatever. Yeah, like seven. Yeah, that was like seven years ago, guys. That's a, that, yeah, that was what twenty ten. Uh, was it? No, it was earlier. It was two thousand nine. I think it was. Yeah, it was two thousand nine. It was during eighth grade. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. my yeah. dad had to take me to it. My dad took me to it as well. <laughs> my dad likes comic books, so it's cool. Um, so yeah, it's like, you know, he's giving that whole speech, like, I think the city's disgusting, you know, they'll, they'll want, like, go help me. He's like, no. You know, every, like, 14-year-old anarchist, like, favorite quote ever. Oh, yeah, um, I had it on my wall. I had, I think I had it too, you know. Corey loves Rorschach. He's cool, Did you ever see the picture of the mask I made in 8th grade? Because it's disgusting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have. That's oh, great. We'll, we'll post it on the Twitter. Yeah. Um, we always say that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we will this time. Anyway. I'll make sure of it. Um... And so, it, like, you know, it does that great pan up to, like, the inspectors looking over the comedian's window, down onto the ground. Oh, like, you can still see the blood drop, but you see the... At first, it's kind of... It looks like the city's not very alive, but it's, like, a really packed city. And there's, like, mm-hmm. kind of, like, a bunch of shit going on. Like, it's a very uh, kind of poignant shot of, like, oh, this dude died, but, like, there's people doing shit. We don't care. Yeah, so no then, Yeah. And then, so, it has those two uh, detectives talking... And they're kind of like, oh, this guy was, like, huge and strong. It had to be more than one person or whatever, you know. And it's, like, going over his uh, his death. And it's, like, uh, yeah. And they show him dying. And it's, like, cool. I wish I would have prepared better when I was going to talk about this. <laughs> well, you just tell us what happens over on the issue. Yeah, just, just do a yeah. full-on summary. Um, yeah, so then... Uh, they're talking about how there's like this like vigilante act. So I guess they're they're, they're establishing that since 1977, uh, vigilantes have been outlawed, right. and mm-hmm. um, you know, and there's like all this political stuff going on. You'll see like 
a lot of the storytelling is told like in very minute details. Like on this frame, it's it's the twelfth frame of the issue, and there's like this that kid reading tales of the Black Fairy, but oh, behind his shoulder it says Vietnam fifty first state official. So there's like kind mm-hmm. of this, like weird, you know, neo Cold War where like oh, they won Vietnam. That. Yeah, they win Vietnam because they send the community in a Doctor Manhattan, basically the the Watchmen kind of you know. Uh, take I don't care know if I ever everything. actually noticed that that Vietnam's the fifty first yeah. state in the watch. Yeah, it's a, it's the smallest little detail. Like yeah. it's really hard to yeah. make out. Um, and so uh, Rorschach then goes to the scene of the comedian's death. All told, through there's no dialogue. He goes up. There's yeah, a there's right. a candy called meltdowns. You know, making a kind of foreshadowing of this kind of Cold War anxiety going on the rest of this graphic novel. And he looks at he finds the comedian's uh, pin. Looks at it, looks up, then grabs his grappling gun, shoots the grappling gun into the broken open window, which looks like it's a really cool frame. And he climbs up like the old Batman cartoon or uh, show with uh, Adam West. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then it's like all this, there's no dialogue, nothing. There's no, it's just like, uh, eh. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, he's H-U-R-M. That's yeah. the noise Warshak yeah. made. Yeah, H-U-N-H. And then, huh. eh. And he finds uh, the comedian's uh, right, the, stuff, the and he's like, stuff, and he's like, hmm. he's like, <laughs> he like, and it's kind of going through. That tr- and it's like he realizes that it's the comedian who died, not just like some random person, right? And uh, so that cuts confirming to, his suspicions. Yeah, that there's like a the the, the mask uh, conspiracy or whatever, take out mask uh, vigilance or whatever. So then it uh, transitions to Night Owl. Uh, Dan Reardon, is that his name? I, I think Man, so. Man, it's been a while. I don't know. It's Dan something. And then yeah, it's Hollis, Hollis Mason or whatever. Yeah, the original. Yeah, the original. Hollis. They're like, you know, hanging out, smoking cigs, drinking some beer, talking about being a superhero. And like, Hollis is like, you feel so bad. He's like that old dude who's just like so nice. And yeah. And like Dan's just like, like a lonely middle-aged dude who's like, oh, I could be like doing cool stuff, but like, you know, like. Superhero, he's outlawed. Yeah. <laughs> Um, he's like also like you know he's like overweight now and he's like yeah. way past his prime, so um, Dan goes home and he walks in <laughs> and just Rorschach eating beans on his kitchen table. Yeah, that's, oh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Moments, yeah. And he was like, it's like, <laughs> yeah, like Daniel. it puts the sounds all in. Yeah, and he's like, I got hungry, waiting for some beans. Hope you don't mind. He's like, Rorschach. He's like. Oh, oh, of course not. I don't mind. Like he's like fucking terrified. This dude. He's like, do you want me to heat this up for you? He's like, no. Indeed, <laughs> fine like this. And like you know, like you know, Rorschach's talking like short staccato beats, and he's like, Dan's like trying to talk to him. Like, hey, like how are you doing? <laughs> and he's just like, years, yeah. yeah, he's just like, hey, there's like the like the comedian's dead, and they're gonna try to kill all the masked people. He's like, Dan, or he's like, dude, what are you talking about? It's like that's crazy. And then like Rorschach's like. You look out of shape, like you uh, not do anything anymore, and it's like, oh well, like they go down to the uh, the old uh, not bat cave, like it's owl nest. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Uh, and uh, they kind of it's like Dan's like, oh, you're paranoid, and no one's like coming after mass people. And he was like, uh, yeah, they are, Dan. You're naive or whatever. And then this has like I think this is the best line of like the first chapter, and. Uh, Dan's like, oh, like, we were such a great partnership. Like, we used to kick so much ass. Like, whatever happened those times? And Rorschach walks in and he goes, you quit. And he I remember walks that away. Panel, yeah. And, yeah. like, Dan's just, like, sitting with, like, the, the comedian's pen, just, like, looking, like, so, just, like, like a piece of shit. He feels, like, so disgusting. So then, uh, Rorschach, uh, he goes looking for, uh, 
people who knew about like it was like oh a comedian died tonight uh, like Edward Blake like who knew and like there's this guy who's like ah like fuck you wear some deodorant and Rorschach just walks over like breaks all his fingers and it's so gross and everybody's just like terrified so then he then Rorschach goes to see Adrian uh, Vide and uh, he's like oh there's like these political killings and like all this stuff and like the mask uh, the, the vigilante kind of killer he's like you're you're crazy, dude. Like so, like no one's listening to Rorschach, obviously, because he's just right. some crazy old man. <laughs> that old man. And then he goes to see um, Doctor Manhattan. So basically, this is the first chapter is like basically setting up who all these characters are, and like you know, you see Doctor Manhattan just giant dick in your face, like when he shows up. Oh, love that panel. Yeah, yeah. and uh, so like there's all this stuff like uh, talking about uh, like. John John Osterman's like, oh, there's all this shit going on in the world. Like, who cares about the vigilante stuff? Like, there's like all he's all this stuff. Like, he's all these like, existential like monologues about like like what it means to be alive and like particles and like all this garbage and stuff. Um, and then then yeah, so he's like dis- he's disappointed that like the Rorschach leaves disappointed that no one's caring about the the person killing the mass and like uh, so then. Uh, uh, Juniper with her first name. Uh, the Silk Spectre with her first name. Uh, Judy maybe. I don't well, know. she goes just... out to dinner. She goes out to. I'm so unprepared for this. <laughs> she goes out to dinner with Dan, and like you know, they're just like, oh, like we used to be superheroes, and it was fun. And they're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The dance just like the comedian died, <laughs> and that's the end of the first chapter. Yeah, doesn't um, it like it zooms in on the smiley yeah. face again or whatever? No, it just it keeps pulling out. They're having a real casual conversation. Oh, um, right. And she says, uh, "Geez, I felt good to be somewhere. So many there's there's there there seems to be not so many laughs around these days." And then Dan goes, "Well, what do you expect? The comedian's dead." That's the end of the first chapter. Uh, I remember that line. Yeah. If anything, so, you describing that to me just made me realize how Zack Snyder just fucking use that as a storyboard so perfectly yeah like every yeah. panel is a shot in that movie yeah. and it was good I love that movie but that's yeah. like the last I remember of it I haven't read it in so long yeah I, I'm gonna probably next time we talk about it I'll actually reread chapter 2 and make notes of things to look out for but yeah it's like <laughs> I just remember reading it and being just like I couldn't put it down it's, I was just like looking yeah, for every, every panel I'm just like oh my god there's an Avengers logo in the background I remember and there's like it's just all this stuff like all these things creepily hitting away. And, like, I remember when I first was reading it, there's like, all that stuff, like, uh, oh, like, those middle things, like, under, under the hood or under the mask or whatever. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, memoir, which is real interesting. And then there's, like, other stuff, like, the, like, uh, the Tales of the Black Friday. I was like, oh, this is, like, so, like, I guess cool, but, like, it's, I think he's, like, commenting on how, like, high, or, like, different comics have been popular throughout the time because basically it's out more like deconstructing superhero comics or whatever mm-hmm. and then you realize like at the end it's uh all like, connected that shit, that, it's, it, yeah like like the Tales of Black Fairy is basically Osmond Day his whole character arc and like everything's just everything's there on purpose it's like so fluidly written and everything's just perfect like you could spend like uh, you could spend hours just talking about like each individual frame yeah like, I remember my first time recording was like yeah we'll do every <laughs> Each episode is, like, one frame of the comic. I'm like, all right, I don't know if we can go that far. I still want to do that podcast where we discuss Watchmen one page at a time. And each episode is, like, five minutes. Maybe someday. (laughs) Someday. Um, I need to reread it. I forgot all the little details and stuff that really made it great. So good. 
Is it the greatest graphic novel of all time? It's up there for sure. Yeah, it's probably one of the greatest novels ever written of all time. That's true. Of English literature in the 20th century, according to Time Magazine. According to Time Magazine, that's on the cover yeah. of every copy. Yeah. yeah it is. I, I mean, it, it completely uh, revolutionized. Uh, Go ahead. New York Times, their own bestseller, and one of Time Magazine's best <clears throat> novels of all time. Right the cover. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it completely revolutionized the way comics are written. Like, it's just... it's. Did you guys read any of the Before Watchmen stuff? No, I didn't. No, of course not. I cannot recommend the Minuteman, Minuteman series enough. I can bring it to you, Dan, because I'll see you after I'm home. It's so good. The rest of the stuff sucked, but it was so good. Um, thank you for sharing, Daniel. Yes, Dan, thank you. I mean, if you could call that sharing, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was like me like showing up to class like... After sleeping for like three hours the night before, like reading the Wikipedia page five minutes before class started and trying to. <laughs> I thought it was eloquent. I agree. Um, I don't have a comic book to talk about because I've been trying to work my way through this 900 page novel. It's pretty good. That's not what I'm talking it's about. What do you read every day? What do you, what do you it's read? called Seven Eves. It's where the moon falls apart and kills everybody on Earth. Sick. Fun stuff. Yeah. Anyway, I've started watching the original Star Trek series. <sighs> Like the OG Star Trek. I'm on I'm, episode five. I didn't mean to do that. I've seen a lot of the episodes. My dad, we should have my dad on for a Star Trek special. He is a Star I'd Trek. I'd love to, dude. Nut. He's I, coming. I'm, it's amazing. He, he's coming to town this weekend. It's, it's parents weekend, but you know why my dad's coming? There's what? a steampunk convention. convention <laughs> a, a steampunk convention at the local library. We're going. We're dressing up and That's going dope. together. That's dope. Your dad Dude. is steampunk weird. I would love right. to talk Star Trek with him sometime. Yeah, he's always talking about Star Trek. He's like, I've seen uh, the Evil Spock episode. I forgot what it's called off the top of my head. Like so many times, it's just. I've, like, well, I just started watching it. I'm on like episode five. Yeah, and it's amazing. Like I was telling Matt, they had to try so hard to make it like what it is, and like. Hey, I'm blown away by, like, because back then that was the first, and, like, that was all they had, and, like, now, like, it looks like shit. Like, there was this one... You worded it so well, though. You said, like... They had to try so hard to make it so good, but it's still so... It still looks like... Yeah, it looks like shit. <laughs> like, uh, in the first one, Captain Pike is held prisoner in a jail cell, and next to him is supposed to be a gorilla creature, <laughs> but it's just a dude in a gorilla costume. Like, you yeah. can see the guy's eyes and stuff. Oh, yeah. And there's this one creature that can change form, and every time, like... They show her. <laughs> they show her on camera switching in, like morphing into another person. It'll freeze frame, and you can blatantly tell it's just a picture on screen. And then the shot will change to a new person. Like the lighting is different and yeah, stuff. Like, yeah. <laughs> and sometimes are... you can tell, like I don't know, because like, all of a sudden in the middle of a scene, we'll cut back to Shatner, and he's just so sweaty. <laughs> like out of nowhere, his character is just drenched in sweat. Like the one I was watching last night, I showed Matt a little bit of it. Uh, Spock was just yellow. Like, his face was yellow. Like, they put yellow makeup on him by mistake, and they just filmed. The only one I was going to tell you guys about was this episode called Charlie X, where they pick up this boy on a planet who was stranded there, and he has special powers. And he can just, like, do anything he wants to with his mind, but he wasn't raised by humanity, so he doesn't know the rules. So he just goes around, like, slapping girls' butts and, like, <laughs> destroying chess pieces when he loses and stuff. It's, it's great, though, because... Uh, Kirk's like trying to teach him how to be a man. He's trying to teach himself defense, and Kirk is just in like spandex pants, and he's ripped, and he's that's a huge bulge poking out, and there's just dudes rolling around on the floor. It's amazing. I, yeah. I'm so happy. I'm finally watching it. Yeah. Did anybody yeah, see uh, Star Trek Beyond? Oh fuck yeah, dude! It was incredible. Oh, I gotta go see it then. I like I like so I like the Star Trek movies. So this one's like, really good. 
I've seen I've seen Star Trek the new, the two Star Trek movies. I've seen Wrath of Khan, and I've Classic. seen uh, I saw Nemesis in theaters. Like the one with Tom Hardy. <laughs> Ooh, I heard I haven't seen that one, but I didn't hear great things. It's I was like eight. I don't remember. I don't remember. I just remember seeing it in theaters, and then uh, I've seen the one uh, Generations where like, it's like it's like Kirk and like Picard are in the movie together. I was like oh, right. Kim. Yeah. Um, first contact's really good when they first make contact with aliens back in the day. Anyway, that's all I have. Maybe I'll try to break down a full episode if I find a good one next time. Yeah, we should watch. We should like all watch it. Like, like we should like go on that like service where you can like watch stuff together on Netflix, and we can like record it like while we're, like we like live record like. Uh, oh, nice. Uh, like uh, a. Yeah, we can do that at some yeah. point. We could also do maybe a special for both the 50th anniversary and for, like, if your dad's going to be in town. Like, right. We'll look into that, maybe. Did you guys know, back in the day, on, like, <laughs> Xbox 360, you could join a party with somebody, and you could both open up Netflix, and your characters would walk into a fake movie theater together, yeah. and you sat down, and they would watch the screen together, and you could watch Netflix with each other. What game was this? It was on the 360. It was a Netflix app. Oh, really? You could watch yeah. Netflix with other people, and your little avatars would sit in the theater and stuff. Nice. It was so cool. And like if one person paused it, it paused for both of them. It's nice. Anyway, that's not a spider crime. That's a nice service. That is a nice Ooh. service. I'm sad yeah, um, yeah. Speaking of things, movie stuff. All right. So I didn't know. Like, okay. Like, I'm like so behind the times. I can tell you, I'm in 2013 still. So. Um, did anybody see that Thor like short film? That was like I thought that was like the funniest. Oh, like, what Thor was doing during, during, during Civil, Civil War? War? Oh yeah, that, that was, was amazing. I love that part where he's like. Why didn't Tony start calling me? He's like, you don't have your numbers. He's like, I don't have a cell phone. He's like, what, how's it you get Send a messenger, Raven. <laughs> <laughs> like, or just like, I don't know. Like, I haven't seen it in like two weeks, but I say I saw like two weeks ago. But yeah, it was just like. Well, that's not the thing when it came out. It only came yeah. out two weeks ago. But yeah, that's okay. great because the director of uh, Thor 3 made it, right? And he's yeah. the yeah. guy who directed yeah. What We Do in the Shadows. So it was yeah. the same vein. Mm-hmm. It's great. Yeah, Can't wait for Ragnarok. I was like, I'd watch a whole. Like two hour or hour and a half movie like Thor in like like that kind of setting like that was so funny like uh, a fun fact fun fact that friend of the show Ryan Gavis told me is the fact that uh, Thor three comes out a week before or after it's it's a week apart from Justice League so yeah. someone's someone's gonna thought, go home what's that I thought it was coming out this like this fall no no it's the Doctor Strange this fall Thor no. next fall. Okay. Come on, Dan. Come on. Hey, dude, I'm stuck in like 2013 where things are We get so far Thor, off. and then we get Guardians, and then we get Spider-Man, and then we get Thor. I mean, we get Wait. Doctor Strange. I messed that all up. Anyway. Yeah, hey, Anyway, man. it's been <laughs> lovely speaking with you gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, by the way, your movie looks fucking dope. Max what? Steel. Did you guys see the trailer for Max Steel? I did see the trailer for Max Steel. I'll go see it, Max Steel. It looks... I would... I would. I See, the thing... I was talking to somebody about this. It was like... The worse the movie looks, the more I want to see it. Like That's Max Steel looks like it. They spent like uh, oh, so they spent like 150 million dollars on this movie based on a toy from the 80s, based on a cartoon series that lasted for like a season on WB Kids like in the late 90s. <laughs> and I want to see it so bad. Like Let's Andy do it. Garcia, <laughs> like it's like Andy Garcia and Maria Bello, and then like just some kid they found, and it like looks it's like just like this lame like like mid 2000s like. Stylistically, it's gonna be this is gonna be a really weird reference. But was that movie Hoot? Do you remember that movie from like the? Oh like, yeah, I remember yeah, it's about like saving the trees. Like it looks yeah, like it's gonna that, be terrible. But there's like CGI like fighting, but like he's but like the dude he fights is just him, but with the color like red. <laughs> like 
It looks so I, uh, bad. That, I'm so excited for that. That reminds me, Dan. I want to... I want to end on telling you and our listeners about this dream I had the other night. Oh, no. It was oh, a sad... I've never woken up so sad in my entire <laughs> life. So Steven Spielberg comes to my family's house because he says he has big news. And so we're all oh, sitting there and he goes, Corey, I want you to write Jurassic World 2. And I was like, oh, hell yeah, Steven Spielberg. And he's like, you were also my first choice to direct, but I went with Jay Boone, who's making it now. And I was like, well, Steven, if I was your first choice, why am I not directing? He goes, well, Corey, how could you direct it when you're playing the lead role? <laughs> and, and then my older sister started crying because she was so happy. And I, remember I woke up and I was like, oh, no. Like, actually, out loud, I went, no. Fuck! <laughs> he was so upset that morning. Oh, it was, I would, like the, it was like the happiest I've ever been in my entire life. I would actually be excited for Jurassic World too if you wrote, directed, and starred in it. Well, well I, I can't direct it. in it. I can't direct it if I'm going to star in it, Dan. Obviously, uh, dude. Have you not ever heard of a man named Ben Affleck? You could totally. Yeah, do that's it. exactly that's what, what I we said. said. I said if Argo won Best Picture. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, let me finish up. I've been Corey. I've been Matt. I've been Dan. Good night, everyone. Thanks for listening to Spider Crimes. If you don't get those photos for me, I'll kill you with my bare hands! Spider Crimes, Spider Crimes, reading comic books all the time. Are they good? You decide. When you listen to Spider Crimes, hey there, where? These are the Spider Crimes. 